Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. What up, Bolt fam? Season 2023 is right around the corner, and that can only mean that the TDU boys are back and pumped for another campaign. Andy here with Jack and Alistair as per. Welcome back to the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Jackie boy, Al, it's good to see you on the air again, on the screens. What's a good word, Jack? Not too much, mate. Uh, year started really well, so school's trucking along nicely. Uh, the weather's been a bit up and down in Adelaide, as it is in Melbourne, I'm sure it has been. But um, no, nah, I'm over the loss. I'm over the loss now and uh, ready and rearing to get into <laughs> to free agency and, uh, and and onward and upward into into this season. So no, nah, happy to be back. Good to see you both. Nice, man. And Al, you how too, you doing, mate. man? I know you've been just bursting at the seams to get back into this, polluting our social media with... <laughs> Here, there, and everywhere. No days off. So it's been a good, it's been a good four week break. But is it really a break when you're furiously trying to learn about two hundred draft prospects? Wouldn't be for me to say, but I'm, I'm feeling energized and yeah, ready for it. There's a lot of good stuff around the corner. I know we all had a little sneaky peek at the uh, combine in Indianapolis over the weekend. Just enough to whet the appetite and want to get back to recording. So it's phenomenal to be with you guys and everyone who's listening out there it's great to be back on the airwaves yeah well lots of good gear to get stuck into today march 15th less than one week from right now as we record signals the official start to the new league year uh legal tampering period is the precursor for free agency and all the excitement that comes from that uh the charges themselves have one heck of a cap situation and a bevy of internal free agents that we're going to look at today um, whether we keep them or let them walk, walk and at what cost. Uh, but before we jump into all that um, and some maybe some externals as well, Coach Staley has done a bit of pre-spring cleaning. So let's take a quick look through um, the coaching changes ahead of the new season. As we mentioned last time on the show, former Cowboys OC Kellen Moore replaced Joe Lombardi, comically now back with Sean Payton as the mm-hmm. Denver offensive caretaker. I don't think he's the coordinator. I'll just say caretaker. Um, Doug Neusmeyer has followed more from Dallas and joined the Chargers as Shane Day's replacement, QB coach. Noose. Um, Doug himself started out as an NFL coach in around 2006, had stints on the college scene, Fresno State, Washington, Alabama under Nick Saban, Michigan and Florida before joining Jason Garrett's offense in 2018. Um, pretty impressive how him and Moore kept that offense sort of afloat with during periods without... Um, Dak Prescott utilizing Cooper Rush and yeah. stuff. Um, so, yeah, a bit, bit more kind of cohesion there, um, even though it is still a change in scheme on the offense. Uh, defensive coordinator Ronaldo Hill and the team mutually agreed to part ways. Um, Chargers internally promoted Derek Ansley, um, former DB's coach. Um, so that's cool. Uh, Hill heads back to work with Vic Fangio as the Dolphins DB coach and pass game coordinator. So a bit of a demotion on paper, but you know, with Fangio, he might um <laughs> he might uh, be promoted sooner than 
than later and actually be able to run his offense. Our defense. Rhetorical question. Rhetorical question. Do uh, position coaches for the Dolphins get paid more than coordinators for the Chargers? Possibly. Maybe. Uh, not something that I've had a look at since the last time we spoke, mate. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, lastly, Chargers longtime head trainer Damon Mitchell being relieved of his duties after 23 years with the team. Um, been with the Chargers since 99. Uh, lots of injuries. Toodaloo. Jack, uh, Jack or L, anything um, note about these new coaches at the Chargers, what they might bring to the team? Oh, I'll start off with that. I think we can't, we sort of need to touch on very briefly perhaps that report that came out about the mm. uh, the level of facilities uh, across the league as judged by, I think it was the in, players and internal review or something. So no, uh, no doubt that we've seen Damon Mitchell disappear. And it, I think our training facilities, our weights room was F minus or our treatment room was something like an F minus. As a teacher, um, I had no idea what an F minus was. I, I didn't, I didn't know they existed. So you learn something it's new every day, about, yeah. but it, I if you, if you actually looked at across the league, a lot of the the, the scores were low. So I, I initially read that and went, oh my God, we're moving into a new facility in the coming years. Um, you know, so there's always been that just not only new stadium, but new facilities, but that was a bit of a shock. Um, but when you compare it with other things around um, rooms and places around the league. It wasn't too bad. So, um, yeah, Al, that's what I wanted to touch on. I love the Calamore yeah. high, but I might leave you to speak about that. No, but just before I do on, on what you said, I, that, I found that a little grating to see, you know, the juxtaposition between Staley want to create, wanting to create this amazing family environment and then seeing the players report that treatment of families graded a D minus. Mm. But then when I read into the report, it seemed to be quite heavily based around on game day. Yeah. There not being yeah. a designated family box and that kind of thing rather right. than maybe the uh, the coaches not involving families it might be more about the money or lack thereof that the spanos family are spending on kind of formal infrastructure so yeah hopefully it improves in the next couple of years but you know wait and see it's not like they haven't had enough time to set this stuff up right they've been playing at the soccer stadium for what is it six years now but anyway <laughs> uh, on the quarterback coach um it's another guy from the pacific north uh, northwest nusamayas from oregon Herbert's from Oregon, Kellen Moore's from Washington State. I spent three or four days there, so I consider myself a Pacific Northwester now too, all the pine trees and such. So it's... it's pine it's, trees uh, and such. You're a pine man. <laughs> You're a pine tree man. Good on you. Um, and I'll, I'll throw a question uh, to, to you, Jack, about the Ronaldo Hill yeah. uh, demotion or ch choice to leave. He's gone back to Fangio, who he used to work with in Denver, um, I don't know. What do you think of that? Is that a, is, does that say something about Staley's style of leadership? What's your take on it? No, my take on that is uh, he's learnt from Staley, a younger coach. He's going back to Fangio because I don't believe Fangio is going to coach for much longer. I think that's kind mm -hmm. of a come under my wing, uh, come back, come back to Papa, uh, maybe 18 months. Um, I'm going to teach you everything I know now and my job is to uh, make you a defensive coordinator um, and, and a good one at that. I think he's he's had enough training now. Um, was he calling the plays for us? Was he not? It was clearly Staley's baby. So um, hopefully he can he can see success down in Miami, but we'll see. So that to me is not a, a slight on um, Staley. Staley probably said, actually, you're probably not going to get a chance to to call the plays here. That's what I, I'm here. I'm a defensive head coach. Um, 
go go back to Vic Fangio. We both know him really well. It's probably a mutual agreement, agree, agreement, uh, agreement. So I thought that that's how I read it. I don't see it as a demotion or yeah. any sign of rats jumping ship personally. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, I think, that was my I think take. it's a professional development thing for Hill. He can now sort yeah. of spread his wings once he takes over the mantle and create his own. Um, like Staley has his own brand of yeah. defense. There we go. Sweet. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit of free agency. How we're going to roll with this sort of part of the show is that I'm going to pose a few questions to the guys, uh, and then we're just going to have a bit of a discussion about what we're going to do regarding certain free agency and you know players in contract and out of contract. What what we would do as GMs and what we think the team should or will do um, as the the off season pans out. So uh, the first question I've got for you guys. The Chiefs and the Eagles have shown the league the value of out-of-the-box thinking regarding roster management. How should the Chargers approach the 2023 offseason? Win now or vie for sustained success? Now, just before we get into this, we'll look at sort of trading players and cutting players off the roster just to to make that, as I said before, we're well well over the cap. so looking at cutting and trading players, there is effects pre and post June 1st as a, as a designation. Um, and that alters the dead cap and the savings. So, for example, if a player is cut or traded before June the 1st, all the guaranteed money still owed to that player uh, that the team has not yet paid uh, counts against the team's cap immediately for that year. After June the 1st, the guaranteed money can then be spread for cap purposes across the duration or the remainder of what that deal would have been. So essentially the pre-June the 1st trades and cuts will hurt the charges a lot more immediately, um, delaying them, uh, sort of prolongs that that financial burden. So what do you think, guys? Where do you sit with... um, with what the Chargers should do with this roster, considering we're about $27 million over the cap. Al, I'll go to you first, mate. I um, My first thing I did was just have a quick look at what we're spending money on at the moment before we even kind of commence this off season. And what I saw straight away was this real imbalance uh, on uh, with our spending and and the way the team's performing. So just looking it up on Over the Cap, which is a wonderful resource, the Chargers are spending the most money in the entire league on their defense. So it's $133.9 million allocated to the defense in 2023. And I straight away look at that and think that's not right. The juice is so far not worth the squeeze. They're ranking, you know, in the bottom five or six teams in the league on defense. Is there a better way we can shuffle those resources when we're in an offensive-minded kind of structured league at the moment? Is is that and, not is that are those numbers not skewed because Herbert's not on a big contract? So if you if if you look at it, is I mean, just as a, a counterpoint, there, yes, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think we will spend more on offense as he gets paid. But out of all the teams in the league spending on defense, we're ranked number one. We're spending more than any other um, organization is. So the other thing I noticed about our our list is the way it's structured. It's very top heavy in terms of the cap hits this year. We've got, um, you know, Bose's 31 million, Mack about 27 and a half, Keenan over 20, Mike Williams about 20, JC Jackson 17, Lindsley 13. So it's quite a top-heavy, um, uneven distribution of the funds. So philosophically, the first question you, you answered, Andy, is like, do we put all of our eggs in the basket right now to go in? 
do we look for more sustained success? If I'd seen maybe more last year that I thought, yeah, okay, let's double down on this strategy, put it all in, win this year, let's go. I'd be more inclined to just leave everything as it is for this year. But it's the fact that the guys we're paying the most are some of the people who are starting to have injury issues, off the field issues. I don't necessarily have a lot of confidence that we kind of run the table with the exact same team. We're necessarily going to have a different result. So personally, I would make some drastic moves right now. Not completely wholesale, but I'd make a couple, which we'll talk about. That's kind of my, I won't get into those actual specific moves, but that's my philosophical Mm -hmm. standpoint. Not right now, more sustained success. What about uh, Um, you, Jack? Yeah, no, I disagree, actually. Um, I had a Mm -hmm. good, long, hard think of it. I think we've still got a lot of draft picks. We haven't thrown the house at winning just yet because the top-heavy roster, the only person there that we haven't drafted is, is Khalil Mack. So when you look at that, it's not like we are spending a lot of money on these guys that we have thrown away draft picks for. I would love to see Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack play a full season together. I still think Keenan Allen can play. I still think Mike Williams can play. The only iffy one I look at is the JC Jackson money. Poor guy, not necessarily his fault. So I disagree. I think this is the last time that we can go win now and have our cake and eat it too. So um, I think we still have the ability to have sustained success, but next off season will be the off season that we see heads roll. I think there's some restructuring that should happen to the top end because Khalil Mack is definitely not worth close to 30 million. Joey Bosa, you could argue is, I think it's time to Give him, give the naughty kid that's been in the corner a chance to redeem himself for our organization. He has been a figurehead for a very long time, whether rightly mm-hmm. or wrongly. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I disagree. I think there is a mm-hmm. chance for us to win now and be yep. creative in the free agency market and rely on Tom Telesco, who knows how to structure and get the best deals. And he's that's one of his strong skills. So why yep. move away from that? to go um, and to get rid of some of these guys. So yeah, that's, so there's a bit of a disagreement there. Interesting. How, where do you land on it, uh, Andy P? Uh, hostess with the most. Uh, I think that I sort of sit a little bit in between the two of you. I don't think that there's, I don't think I, I buy into the, um, we're spending too much money on certain players that are now getting injured. I think that there's, I just want a, a new, breath of life on next season with it all together to a degree. I think there's a few, there's a, a couple of little bits of fat that need cutting off. Um, Matt Filer, for example, saved six and a half million dollars getting rid of him. That, um, that'll go some way to um, re- relieving some of that cap pressure. Um, but I, I sort of look, and that'll sort of roll in nicely with my next question. If we're, um, well, I mean, Al, before I'd even do that, do, what do you yeah. see as some of the beyond your just philosophy? What do you see as some of the mm. possible solutions? Well, let me deal with the big elephant in the room and the one I've been talking to you about quite a lot. Um, already seeing some vehement shaking of the head. Uh, uh, if I was the GM of the Chargers, I would I would explore trading Joey Boza before the sixteenth of March. The reason. The Chargers need to find a way to clear $20 million between now and then, and we can do it by cutting a filer and Hopkins and a few people like that, or and doing some of these restructures we can get into. But restructures don't net you anything 
in return. Restructures kind of, as you said at the start, delay the financial pain. You kick the can down the road. I think, mm. yeah, and I think we're going to be doing a bit of that already with your Max and Keenans and JC Jacksons and so on and so forth. Bozer is the one guy who's making the money he is that I think still has extraordinary trade value, right? Because he's still 27 years of age. When he's healthy, he's elite. There's recent precedent for a team like the Broncos trading Bradley Chubb and getting in return a first round pick and a fourth. Even the Broncos, when they gave Von Miller to the Rams for one year and he was 33 years old, they got a second and a third. So I look at someone like Joey Bozer. He's started to be a little bit injured, but I still think he'd be attractive because even though he's on contract for three more years, his cap hits start to diminish from here to the end of the deal. And if you're talking about a team like the Texans with D'Amico, Ryans, who coached his brother, or the Bears, Eberflus is looking for some big kind of elite defensive player. Uh, the Falcons, the Seahawks, Pete Carroll always talking about wanting to improve the defense. I feel like there's some teams who might, might part with a first and a third for someone like Boza. It would immediately clear... Uh, $17 million mm. immediately. Mm -hmm. So it almost single-handedly gets us back in line. And there's the off-field stuff. There's the stuff we saw at the end of last year that was concerning and the health. So I feel like there's, I'd at least be exploring options behind the scenes. Yeah, it saves you $17 million, but I think that guarantees that we get run for 100 plus yards per game. When Joey Bosa mm -hmm. plays on the edge, our run defense mm -hmm is far, far better. I can't trust Austin Johnson coming off injury. Otito Obonia is still injured. Sebastian Joseph Day showed that he wasn't the run stuffer that he should be. Um, yep. I, For me, as I said, I'll go back to it. I just want to see Joey Bosa mm -hmm. and Cleo Mack play one season together. Then I'll make the decision. So I, I, I disagree. I think Joey yep. Bosa, perhaps you have leverage in a in a conversation about, listen, this is the way you acted, you've been injured, um, would you like to restructure a deal, which means we can fit some new players in or we can get ourselves under the cap. If he's not open to doing that, then perhaps we have a conversation about, well, Joey, yeah. maybe it's time to go. So I think there's a little bit of water to go under this bridge just yet. Um, the, the person that, I mean, Khalil Mack now has hardly any trade value and you're looking at 27, mm. you know, 27 and a half million. That's dangerous. I, I disagree with Joey Bosa being the only player with trade value. I still think Keenan okay. Allen would, Keenan Allen would attract a, a, probably a second, I think. Yep. Um, and, Mike, and more maybe. And more. And I think Mike Williams would probably attract maybe a late second to a third. Uh, but then you go down JC Jackson, Corey Lindsley, Austin Johnson, Davis, Derwin, um, you know, those players uh, other than Derwin maybe are not attracting much. So um, I still think there are moves to be made. I know that you have a vendetta sure. against Bosa, but I, uh, for me as a Chargers fan, I would, this is my fan speaking. I, I want to see Mac and Bosa play. I want to see them play a full season. So an interesting comment, one of our listeners, Tau837, uh, who's a big Bolts from the Blue post and contributor. And uh, if you don't spend time on Bolts from the Blue, the website, there's a lot of great content on that site for the listeners out there. He, his view is to trade Bozer would be kind of completely contradictory to everything that Staley has said and tried to build as a player's first coach. And it would essentially be kind of a, a 180 degree turn do you kind of share a similar view that staley can't afford to trade bozer because it would undermine his program mm. uh no i don't think it would undermine everything that he's um 
Uh, I, I guess maybe it's it's ultimately not his decision to a degree. Um, you can say, you know, we you can't trade this player, but at the end of the day, the GM goes, well, we don't have any money, so tough shit. Um, I don't think it undermines everything that he, he stands for. Jack, what do you reckon? No, I, I don't think it does. As a If Staley is a teacher, as a teacher, what you want to do is have sometimes, you know, a, a person with elite talents or elite knowledge or wherever the context you're teaching them in and to boost them up into uh, the stratosphere of the, the potential that they have. I, I, I don't yep. think it – I think that's what Brandon will be wanting to do. Um, and saying that, listen, Joey, we've had 24 months together. Yeah. One of them hasn't been very good. The other one's been pretty good. We're trying to build a defense around. We, we've tried, we've gone and got you help with Khalil Mack. Uh, so I don't know, trading him, I don't know if it would be a contradiction, but I definitely don't think that would be something that Staley would necessarily want. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. Look, also, I'm also just for the record, I'm open to restructuring him instead if mm. we can find a way to get under. I'm just seeing a few things crop up with him that I'm concerned about: his body, his mind, his behaviour, and the fact that we could probably get something quite good for him. We could end up with two first-round picks in this draft, and maybe now's as good a time as ever. So I, I'm just exploring. Is this the if, right if, draft if, to have it though? Is this the exactly? Right? And if we had a GM that's actually good at drafting, and I'm not going to say yeah. that we have a GM that's good at drafting. So yeah, it's a good point. You've got to factor that in, don't you? How we spend the capital we'll yeah. get. It's a great point. If the timing's no good. It's not worth anything. All right, moving along. So yeah, talked about cutting and trading guys. Should should. I guess, Al, should we consider restructuring or extending any of the currently contracted players? Yes, I think we should. Um, I'll, I'll focus on extensions. Sure. When I look at extension candidates, I'm looking at players who've kind of earned it. And so that's why some some fans have suggested maybe we extend Boza and, oh. you know, move the money around Spread that way. But that's where I kind of think I wouldn't want to extend Boza when he's just behaved the way he has because mm. it might set a bit of a funny message. The guys I'd look to extend are your Michael Davises of the world and Austin Eckler. They're two easy ones. Um, Davis really earned it last year. And with the uncertainty around JC Jackson, I think you can reduce his cap hit this year by about $4.7 million, according to over the cap, if you push him out. Austin Eckler is also entering the last year of his deal. And we could save something around $4 million by giving him another um, few years on the deal. I don't think any of us have gone away and come up with the exact contracts we would give in terms no. of the dollars because we like to keep it a little higher level than that. But they're two guys I'd think about. Keenan maybe as well if you needed to, but I, I acknowledge he's a bit older. So there are a few extension candidates for me. Yeah. Um, Justin Herbert potentially as well. There's talk of um, extending yeah. him this offseason. Um, look, that wouldn't um, affect the cap too much this year. Might save two, two and a half. Um, and yeah, Keenum's another one. Extend him, give him another three, four years with with Herbert. Um, I think you could save fourteen million. But yeah, you, like I said, you're just prolonging the sort of the pain and punishment of having to fork out all these contracts, and that really is the sort of win now technique. But you got to do it somehow. You got to got to get that money down. So, Jack, what do you think? Where do you sit on it? 
I mean, those were the ones that I was thinking, but without hijacking the conversation too much, I think it's mm, quite interesting mm. what's happening with Lamar Jackson in terms of extending quarterbacks at the moment. Mm, you know, I was yeah. listening to, to the PFF podcast and they were talking about how all the owners are actually don't want guaranteed contracts and they were really annoyed at the, who's the Browns ownership? What's their name? Um, Haslam. Yeah. The Haslam's about giving the guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson. And so all these teams that would... I don't know why you're saying I'm out of the race for Lamar Jackson because all of those eight teams, I, I can't name them off the top of my head, but, you know, like the Atlanta Falcons, no, we're not interested in Lamar What are you talking about? This guy's an MVP. So mm. um, I, I think Justin Herbert would be number one for me in terms of restructuring. So I know what uh, next year looks like, the year after that, the year Extending after that. Extending him, yeah. Extending him, restructuring, extending, <laughs> getting him on paper. It's going to cost me a lot of money. It maybe is a signing bonus, um, but at least I know what I've got to play with. And that also sends a message to the locker room too, saying that, listen, Khalil, Joey, we've got $45 million tied up next year with with Justin Herbert. What are we going to do here? So, yeah, and, and that does signal um, perhaps the end for a lot of these guys. So they hopefully try and make – this year or this coming year, the best they can. Um, but that's that. Yeah, other than the ones Alistair noted, there wasn't too many for me that I'd sort of try and do some funny money. Other than maybe JC Jackson, and say, yeah. listen, man, you haven't played. You know, are you really? Do you really need seventeen million, or would you do the team thing? So, Kyle suggested that one, and I tell you why I would. That's what you could do with JC is you could push money earned this year till later in the deal. I think we could save about $8 million. My issue with that is I think the Chargers need to prepare as if he might never really play again and yeah. then have to cut him at the end of this year. Yeah. And if that happens, Cole says, yeah, even if you do that, all you've done is add an extra $2 million of dead cap each year for the remainder of the deal because the eight gets spread over four years. And he said restructuring him and clearing that $8 million might be the best thing he ever does for us now as a charger. And if we have to eat $2 million dead cap one of each year for the next four, fine. Let's restructure him and clear yeah. it. Um, and Lindsley's another guy people have spoken yeah. about. They can You can save $6 million by tweaking him because he's signed through the end of 2025. Uh, I'm all, I'm a little bit concerned again with him and his knee tendonitis and that kind of thing and how he's now starting to be much better as a pass blocker than a run blocker, that he's another guy that I don't know, that I feel like restructuring could come back and hurt you eventually. But yeah, JC, is, is JC Jackson the character to go, now nah, do a team-friendly thing? And it goes back to what we said at the very start, the, those character issues. And that's an interesting one, so... Yeah, it's a good one. I think players generally don't mind a restructure because what it's doing most of the time is giving them their money sooner up front. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it depends how you do it. And yeah, who knows with him. Uh, that That's loomed as maybe the worst uh, <laughs> free agency signing of last year. Yeah. So let's hope yeah. that turns around. Don't even think he was, he was barely a guy we even covered on our potential free agent targets early days yeah so and then we got him and we're like jesus we look like idiots <laughs> we're so excited we're so excited we can't have nice what things guys we just we can't have no. all nice things yeah, there's got to be a yeah that's it a rotten that's apple it. there somewhere well yeah there you go all right so we've either just cleared the cap space or we've made a little bit of money by restructuring a bunch of deals let's say how guys would you prioritize the charges internal free agents for re-signing and how do you think the team will go about this? Who, where do you, who do you think the team is going to target as their priorities to keep in the mm. locker room? 
I'll let you start us off this time, Jackie. Okay. Um, I had a couple of criteria for this one. So I looked at impact and production, age and potential, mm. positional need oh. and cap space. And I've given a red, uh, red light, yellow light, green light. And when I looked at that list, I only had two green lights. And those two green oh. lights were our punter. I think we need to – he revolutionized our – Special teams, get him there, J.K. Scott. And the only other one that I've got is to re-sign as, as a must re-sign is obviously our boy Drew. Um, okay. Kyle will be happy about that. that so, and the rest, yellows I've given Callahan, Van Noy, Fox and Pipkins, and the rest are red for me. So I was very, very cutthroat in that sense. Yeah, right. Okay, so I can straight away see that means Carter is a red. You think you can kind of replace his production some other way? Carter is a red. Adelie's a red. Daniel clearly a red. Clap, yep. uh, Davison, uh, Covington, yep. Rogers, Reader, Stick. Yeah, all all red. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I, I can tell you the philosophy behind it because I go well. Andre Carter was a free, uh, free agent. Morgan Fox was a free agent. Van Noy was a free agent. Callahan was a free agent. Um, let's go and find more of these guys. They've played well for us. They've outgrown their contract uh, or they're, they're going to be wanted to pay more because they've played well. Um, the only reason why Morgan Fox, Van Noy played well is because of injuries. So we get those players back. Let's find other players to replace them. Um, and you get the compensatory formula working in your favor, mm. right? That's the reason why you get these post-draft free agents. You Correct. sign them, they play well, another team signs them. And if you let more walk than you sign, you will get a compensatory pick for each one of those um, with a maximum of four picks. So it, overall, it, I think it's a good philosophy and Carl's explained that to us many times. Mm. I agreed with you with Tranquil being my number one priority. I know some people disagree. You're nodding in agreement. I agree. Yeah, Eddie. he's my number one too. I think the thing to maybe the myth to bust is the idea that, you know, the Staley system doesn't value the linebacker and they yep. won't sign linebackers. I think generally speaking, that's true. But I think last year they were much more prepared to let Kaiser White walk because of what was already in house. Yep. And the fact that they had Tranquil and Murray there who could fill that role. Whereas this year, not only did Tranquil do some stuff that Kaiser White never did, like the rushing the passer, the, the tackles for loss, um, shows the ability to actually snag some interceptions. But um, he, he's just got that kind of veteran, he's got that leadership. And if he leaves, the linebacker room is looking awfully bare. You've, you're going to have Kenneth Murray, who's who's starting to come into his own, but I don't think he's ready to lead that room. And guys like Ogbong, Bamega and Neiman and whoever you draft, that's looking not good at all. Yeah, I don't think they can afford to lose him. Most, yeah. Not good. No, because you've got the other the other linebackers of note. We have a free agents as well. Um, if you chuck Kyle Van Noy in there, you've got Troy Reader as well, and it's pretty grim without him. Um, but he had yep. the green dot. Um, you know, when they took that off, Dylan, he impacts. I think the he impacts the opposition offense um, in the passing game, both at rush and in coverage. He was used a couple of times. Tampa two, a um, couple of interceptions, few sacks. Uh, it was a career year for him when he stays healthy. Um, I think he's getting better with his tackling and, and his coverage, as I said. So, um, yeah, I think he's high priority. Uh, how long did... Trey Pipkins is going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Trey Pipkins is going to be a very interesting one. You've got the guy who's suddenly come come out and had a pretty decent year, not a great year, but only allowed the two sacks. And we know he played through consistent MCL 
injury. So showed that lion heart where he kept on battling through and he'd be lying on the ground and then get back into the lineup. And Telesco goes off, oh, finally, this third round pick I took has shown some promise. This is one where I think my, what I do and the what the Chargers might do may actually start to um, separate. And and that's because I think there are some okay external free agents we can look at that we we can talk about later. But I, I would explore re-signing Pipkins, but I think the Chargers are going to prioritize him more than I would. I also think that if you look at the draft and the tackles and, the, and what's going on there, I think it's a relatively deep one, but we'll get into that in a later... Mm-hmm. Podcast, uh, yeah, Trey Pipkins. All that's all well and good that you're battling out, you're showing guts, but it's your career year. So, would you be doing that if you just signed a contract? Would you be doing that in your second year? Uh, yeah, and we we also have Jamari Solia, who can easily kick out to right tackle. Um, that I believe is. Played extremely well at left. You know, don't forget we have the, one of the top three left tackles coming back. That makes a huge difference to that left side. Zion Johnson's another year older. Um, do we just go with these guys who have been developing um, and get another, yeah, as you said, free agent or look to the draft and see what we can do at um, left guard and maybe draft a backup center? But again, chat yeah, for another time. I would... I wouldn't break the bank for him, that's for sure, yeah. because of that optionality where either Sawyer kicks out to tackle. A lot of people think Sawyer will be great as a guard. Yeah. I don't know about his ability to pull and stuff like that in the running game. I think he'd be a great pass protector as a guard, mm-hmm. but maybe he's better stuck out on the end. So um, another guy I'd actually prioritize just under Tranquil is, is Morgan Fox. I know, Jack, you said maybe not, but I'm just too unsure of what the team's pass rush and interior pass rush kind of looks like without a guy who can come in and and kind of uh, give some respite to Bozer and Mac, or if one of them is injured. I feel like if we lose Van Noy and Fox, we're in trouble. I feel like Rumpf isn't ready quite yet to become the third guy. Maybe he never will. Fox is a guy, and this is where also... um, those relationships with Staley maybe come into it, where you hope either Van Noy or Fox or Callahan. One of them, even though they had career years, like Fox had seven sacks, Van Noy played really well at the end. Maybe one of them actually wants to stay in LA and will take a somewhat hometown discount to do so. Yeah. Well, well, um, you're, yeah. I think of my three, it's Tranquil, Pipkins and uh, Morgan Fox. For me personally, I don't know. I think he, it's just the production that he gets in, in Staley's defense. You know, it's, um, it's awesome. He had a... But he had a bit of a down year in Carolina, got released uh, from his two-year deal there after he played with the Rams. Um, and I think something, if you offered him something similar, two, eight, two years, eight mil, something like that, um, you might be able to get it done and keep him. Yeah. Uh, I think Van Noy might be a little bit more expensive and harder to and hang we're, on we're to. Not, we're not... We're not going to talk about old Nazir Adderley. That's we're saying uh, Tata. We're all mm, saying Tata to him. Yeah, I think his market value is crazy high. Um, and there's always a team that'll pay a high number. Um, but for a former second round pick, <clears> and he's shown some athleticism. And it's the fact that Gilman came in and actually was serviceable. Well, he got benched, and you've got JT Woods Nas there. That's benched, why we drafted him. Like Gilman started games over him. Um, so I don't think the Chargers are going to chase him or prioritize it at all chase daniel what's our view on callahan oh look it's really hard to say it's um it's not a super strong cornerback free agent market um and he had a great year but he's old getting older 
Um, I just think he might get offered more than we can afford elsewhere. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I see think, value. Yeah. If 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 you can't get him, then I think there's a pretty dear need to sign a veteran defensive back um, just to add a little bit of leadership that you'll lose from Callahan uh, on that defense, in my opinion. What do you think, Jack? I was going to say it all depends on um, it all depends on a the health of JC Jackson's knee. I think because if he comes back, Michael Davis, I'd I'd much rather extend or do some business with Michael Davis than Callahan. Kick ASJ inside where I think he's probably better mm -hmm. off anyway, mm -hmm. banging and clanging across the middle because. Uh, even though you know he had those three picks and we look at that, he loves to grab on the outside. He's undersized on the outside. I think he would be an absolute dog in the slot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that all depends. And then, you know, you've got your top three quarterback uh, cornerbacks there. It's a pretty good yep. cornerback room. And then sign and some. And just here Taylor's the fourth. And just here Taylor. And then, okay. Yeah, and then find some um, some leadership. Uh, again, if, 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 if Tranquil stays, there's your leadership on the, uh, close to the line of scrimmage at least. Mm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. interesting one. It's, it's, it's so many dominoes that got to fall. It's when you start looking at it, it's just an amalgam of just of things that need to happen and what's going on and go. It's actually got fun. a lot of free agents. Yeah, but it's, oh, it's dollar signs and roster holes, isn't it? Um, oh, and injuries and oh, it's just nuts. Al, yeah. what do you think? It's great. DeAndre Carter like doubled his career production in one season last year. What do you think the Chargers are yeah. going to do with him? Do you think his uh, production is replaceable um, conveniently or... Do you think they try and make it work by offering something similar to what he got paid last year? I think they might wait for the second wave of free agency and see what other, if he gets offers elsewhere. And then if they can bring him back for a reasonable deal, something similar to what they signed him for, they'd think about it. Because what I think they'll look at is the fact that he had the seventh best yards per attempt on punt return duties in the NFL last year at 11.7 each time. And that's an area that where the charges have been very poor and he came in and suddenly our special teams unit performed for the first time in forever. So I think they might be a little reluctant. Um, and, and also they speak quite often about how awesome his attitude is, right? And, you know, the minute he rocked up, they knew he was the dude mm. and he stepped in and played wide receiver four and he made catches down the field. Yeah. He seems like a pretty likable type. Yep. So yes, I could see them bringing him back, but I, I, I get why Jack is saying, ah, don't worry about it. The idea is you signed him and he played well, someone else signs him, pays for him, mm. you get a compensatory pick. Trust your coaches and your development stuff. Yep. Cool. And, okay. and and all of the, all of this value that we're talking about is skewed because of injuries. Like we, we've we've got to remember that. And so that's what I kept in the front of my mind when I was looking at this. I go, Andre Cut, awesome, great. But the reason why his production was so good in that wide receiver four was because we had no wide receiver one or two. The mm. reason why Morgan Fox and Kyle Van Noy, uh, their values are now inflated. I, I do think it's artificial inflation purely because mm. of the situation that we find ourselves in. Now, yeah. is the organization and coaches strong enough and relationship strong enough for them to go, hey, listen, guys, you're clearly you know, awesome, but would you have had the same production if we were healthy? No. Morgan Fox goes, well, fuck you. I'll probably go and make more money. Does DeAndre Carter, I chase money, what do you do? From an Australian perspective, stay with a team, yeah, great. But it's a very different kind of philosophy in America. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I guess you don't know necessarily what goes on behind closed doors. Maybe Fox and Staley have a special relationship. KVN and Maybe Staley do. clearly do. Uh, so, Foxy. Foxy. 
Um, well, so if you think that sort of replacing output is easy, I'll, I'll run through the remainder of the list. So the two QBs, Chase Daniel and Easton Stick, what do you think goes on with those two guys? Both out the door? Yep. Yeah, potentially. I hope so. Definitely Chase Daniel. He can yeah. kick it with his uh, Lombardi. And uh, Ch- uh, Easton Stick, never know. Uh, I wouldn't bring him back myself. Give me, give me enough. Stetson Bennett, please. Let's draft him in the Ooh, fifth or sixth round, okay. please. Yeah. Nice one. I love a bit of Stetson Bennett. Uh, uh, sign, a, <laughs> sign a QB. Uh, defensive tackles, Tyler Davison, Christian Covington. Any impetus there? No. no. Tight end, Richard no. Rogers, even though the room's no. a disaster. See you later. No. Troy Reader. Could we get him on a one-year minimum? Any value in the backup special teams? Yeah. Yeah, he played the third most snaps, so I'd think about it. I'd yeah. think about it because he's won a Super Bowl. He's a leader. He yeah. he was happy to accept that role. It was actually the least amount of snaps he's played on defense in his career by a mile. Mm. He played 62 snaps on defense. His next lowest was about 300. Right. Yeah, wow. And the fact that, yeah, so so he was just like, yep, I'll be a special teams dude coach. So that, that's cool. I, another random guy I'd think about bringing back is Will Clapp. Only because really? who's the backup? Who's the backup yeah. center? I feel like either you're, Me. yeah, right. Get him, get him in. It's got to be something else. better. <laughs> well, look, when he played last year, his pass blocking was fine. He he allowed no sacks for the whole year. He's the rest and the guard play we've discussed. Mm. But I'm thinking if you let him walk, we must probably spend a relatively high pick on a center this year or sign another bargain basement free agent type. Yeah. Uh, so I, I one of those things has to happen. I don't mind bringing him back if he's dirt cheap. I do think it needs to be somewhat of a thought this off season is just to think about that changing of the guard with Lindsley um, yep. and uh, see a fair bit of importance of maintaining consistency with the personnel and offense just because it's another new system and, and all that jazz. But we'll move right along. Uh, okay, so that's all of the... Um, unrestricted free agents. So now we'll jump into the restricted and exclusive rights free agents. Um, As the restricted free agents, players out of contract that have at least three years of accrued service. So that's at least six games in three consecutive years. Their team will hold the rights to to them through March 9th uh, to extend a one-year tender offer to the player. Uh, The tender allows the team to exhibit a level of control over the player in their free agency movements. Um, sort of similar to the franchise tag, but obviously at a much lesser uh, dollar. Mm-hmm. So there's three types of tenders. You've got the first round tender, meaning that if another team signs that player and the original team decides not to match the salary, the new team will have to give the uh, team giving the player a first round draft pick, second round tender, self-explanatory. And then there's the right of first refusal tender. Uh, this means you get no compensation if you decide to not match the offer sheet. Um, teams have five days to match the new offer sheet by the uh, receiving team. So, yeah, you'd only really apply the tender if you think the player's worth the salary amounts because they're not sort of cheap. So the first round tender, that salary is just a tick over $6 million. These are approximate. Don't slay me. Second round, $4.3 million, And the right of first refusal is $2.67 million. So that said, yep. uh, our list of restricted free agents, Donald Parham, Braden Fajoko, Jalen Guyton, Joe Gaziano, Storm Norton, and Derek Tuska. 
Are any of those guys even worth the right of first refusal? Because uh, I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be... I'm putting a first round tender on Braden for Hoko. <laughs> that's with my heart. That's that's my heart. No, no, not, not, I don't think any of them even worthy with a second, unfortunately. So, no, it's yeah, just we did. doesn't mean I wouldn't try to to get them back though, right? Exactly. I think we need we need uh, uh, look the ones I'd have back are Donald Parham, Fahoko, and Guyton. Yeah. I would not worry about Gaziano, Norton, or Tusker. Yeah, I agree. Parham, the tight end room so bad for Hoko for all the reasons why we've liked him. Um, and Guyton is he, he likes has the that show. speed that we need. <laughs> yes. 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 Loves the show. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually so that's said what I, do. I said yellow on Parham. Um, maybe maybe edging on green because he's a weapon because of how tall he is. Uh, for Hoko mm-hmm. was a green for me because, if, as you said, mm-hmm. of all the reasons. Guyton was a red because I think as – if we're keeping right. DeAndre Carter, if we if we're keeping DeAndre okay. Carter, then we don't need Jalen Guyton. We've we've proven that, I think. Um, so, or we can find one in the late rounds of the draft. Um, so you'd be happier yeah. with um, a guy I'll put up, that'll be on the next list, just in case one of those guys goes down, because the exclusive rights free agents are Cameron Dicker, Michael Bandy, the wide receiver, obviously defensive tackle Forrest Merrill, cornerback Kimon Hall. Now the signing of an exclusive rights free agent is a minimum salary contract of $870,000. So yep. if you're just going to get rid of or red on Jalen Guyton, are you happy for Bandy to be that backup again? Or would you rather uh, Guyton as the depth? I think where if we get rid of Guyton, uh, I'd, I'm not sure if Bandy's actually making the roster, but I reckon we go two wide receivers in the draft and we try and find that yeah. speed in the mm. third round. Yeah, yeah. I would. I wouldn't give one to to Bandy. I, I mean, he had a long go at it this year, and I thought, nah. I don't. I think the only ERFA I would bring back is Cameron Dicker because of the great job. Yeah, he did. And the corresponding move is to cut Hopkins. You save one point six million on Hopkins. You have to pay Dicker eight hundred and eighty odd. So there's a minimal saving there of six hundred. But if you hang on, see, that's what I was talking about before about the pre and post June. It's fickle. But if you mm. hang on to Hopkins until after June first, uh, you'll actually save about another million and a half that you would if you cut him um, pre-June first. So you might just hang on to him and then get rid You're of him. You're testing me now, mate. We might need to get old Kyle on the blower <laughs> just to confirm the cap, rule, the cap rules. Yeah, he'll, you'll just, you'll, there'll be um, less dead money if you cut him later. Uh, all right, cool. So we've kind of gone through what we do now. I think I'll touch just briefly on that last bit. I think Kimon Hall might mm. hang around just for that special team's Ooh, depth. Yeah. They've sort of liked him a bit. Yep. Uh, which, if any, given our little coin purse uh, of remaining salary cap, uh, external free agents, should the Chargers consider bringing in this offseason? Uh, Al, I'll go to you first. I found a, quite a lot of them that I like, but I broke them down into super like expensive ones where if you somehow found a way to make the space and are perhaps a little unrealistic, so I'll leave them alone. But a few that maybe are cheap and could serve a role just a couple throwing them out there if you don't keep pipkins there are some right tackle free agents um kelvin beecham from arizona jermaine illuminor from vegas cameron fleming from denver all of them per pff outperformed pipkins this year so if you're worried he's going to make more money than them go the older guys who can just come in for a year like morgan moses Mm -hmm. did when he left the jets and i'll 
I won't list everyone, but a couple of Staley guys, a couple of guys who've played in that scheme. The big one is John Johnson was just released by the Browns. Mm. He was cut because he was a disappointment in Cleveland, but he still played 1,050 snaps last season with a 62.8 PFF grade. 689 of those snaps were at free safety. And if Adderley leaves, we'll have a hole of that position. PFF is projecting a one-year contract for $5.5 million. Staley talks about how when he was the DC in LA, he wore the green dot and he really enjoyed John Johnson. So I wouldn't be excited, um, wouldn't be surprised if we kick the tires on him. And then more money, but a similar vibe is Taylor Rapp from the Rams who had the best year of his career. He hits free agency as PFF's 13th ranked safety in the league out of 88. Yeah. So there are a couple of Staley guys. Cool. Jack? I scrolled down the very, very bottom of all the free agent lists. <laughs> it's like shopping uh, at I'm, Not Quite Right, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> I am of the ilk as I've, my philosophy is to keep everyone as much as we can. So I don't think we've got a lot of money to play around. But there were a couple that I found. Um, at the I can't remember the author's name. Uh, the Ringer uh, are doing a top one hundred, and they they update it every day. So uh, my boy Leighton Vanderesh, I thought who was the second coming of Luke Keekley. Uh, he was a free agent last offseason, returned to Dallas on a one-year $2 million deal. I thought even though Kellen Moore's offensively minded, I thought there might be a little bit of a um, a link up there. So I, I love what Leighton Van Der Esch, when he's great, he's amazing. He's just a little bit injured. Um, let's stay at the linebacker position and let's go to someone that I believe the lightning round, I think Jamie brought it up, um, the San Francisco 49ers linebacker um, Aziz El Shair. Um, yeah, he play- good. yeah, he played 12 games last year, um, you know, but he's behind Warner and Dre Greenlaw. So I think he's probably looking somewhere to get starter. I, I think he's going to be a little bit too expensive for us. And funnily enough, the other one that I found was Kaiser White, because I do wonder yeah. <laughs> if it's the homecoming, because he only signed a, year, a one year, three million with the Eagles. That's very much in our ballpark. Um, he was good in the first half of the season, but his film, I, you know, from all reports was still inconsistent and that his production declined um, quite rapidly or quite starkly in the second half of the season, which I wonder if was injury related or not. Um, but I, I, I think it's it's unlikely that his market will be that much different. So, you know, $3 million homecoming. Um, and the other one that I saw was Andrew Wiley from the Kansas City Chiefs. Alistair, mm. you were talking mm. about the tackles. Um, you know, he was on a one-year $2.5 million deal. He probably has earned a little bit more than that after being a Super Bowl winner. So he's probably in and that And played three well in the three. Super Bowl too. Yeah, he's in that 3 to $3.5 million. But I, I wonder if he stays with the, um, with the Chiefs. After all, yeah. Orlando Brown's a free agent, so he's going to get paid quite a lot of money too. Yeah, there's a couple. No, it's just a couple for me, but if we brought back Kaiser White, I would find that move contradictory to what Staley is trying to yeah. develop and create. Uh, very yeah. rare, very rare. A um, couple of experienced veteran defensive backs, uh, just a couple of guys, Rodney McLeod from Indianapolis and Tashawn Gibson from mm-hmm. Chicago. They're both 32, Ooh, 33, okay. but... Still producing. Uh, you could get him. Yeah, Gibson played. Yeah, well. you could get him on relatively cheap deals. Rodney McLeod had a good year too. Um, yeah, leadership and experience. They can still do it. Playing at free safety uh, if we need. They're just a couple of guys for me. And I think Troy Hill's a free agent as well. Another Staley guy. 
Um, oh, the other the other one, and also Greg Gaines, funnily enough, the, from the Los Angeles oh, nice. Rams. I do, I do wonder if he comes back, but I think he's going to be a little bit too ex- more expensive for us. Mm. I wouldn't mind shoring up that, like uh, my guy like that was Puna Ford, yeah. the interior defensive tackle. Austin Johnson, SJD, has it worked? Do you give up and go again? Do you keep trying? Do you keep trying to hit that position? Yeah. Kalaja, Alistair, that's who you are. Save it, button it <laughs> for another show. All right, well, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out, how the Chargers do manage to rectify the cap situation and um, if we can even bother putting together some more elaborate free agent target lists and and shows and and whatnot. But as much as the players change heading into new seasons, so do the coaches. Um, And there's been plenty of new coaches um, this offseason. I think 16 teams at one stage were without an offensive coordinator. Uh, so a little bit of fun. I'll just reel a few off um, and guys jump in if there's any that are, um, are massive to you. The obvious one, Sean Payton um, and uh, Joe Lombardi and Vance Joseph as well back in Denver. Um, mm. Interesting stuff there. Both the coordinators from the losing Philadelphia Eagles have now head coaching yeah. roles. Shane Steichen, obviously former Chargers QB coach at the Colts. Good on him. And, Good on him. Uh, yeah, and Jonathan Gannon takes over, um, is the new daddy daycare in Arizona. Um, another <laughs> another another former char- uh, Chargers. Do your name, homework. Frank Reich taking over the Panthers. Um, yeah, good on you, And Frank. that's going to be a pretty uh, fun in a weird way kind of division. Derek Carr and... Um, Mm. Uh, New Orleans and Tom Brady and now barely anyone in Tampa Bay. Uh, who knows what the Falcons are going to do heading for, a, is, is Derek Ritter the answer? And the, I think the, the sort of most sort of heartfelt or heartwarming hire is D'Amico Ryans, the head coach now mm. in uh, Houston. Um, are there any of those hirings or coordinator hirings that are, you're really excited about. Al is excited about everything football related at this time of year. So, <laughs> well, look, it was nice to see Steichen thanking Philip Rivers so profusely in his uh, introductory remarks, and he started getting quite emotional about it uh, and the kind of role he's p- played in in helping him become a, a coach and a man and all that sort of gear. Well, Philip, Philip then, might uh, go and throw for the Colts. You never know. He's he's ink. He's yeah. he's he's oh, itchy. Cool. Wants to go and throw. Did you hear? So. Did you hear the reports on the Rich Eisen show that at the end of last season he reached out to Miami and then separately to the 49ers yeah. about if they want him to come over and throw the ball. <laughs> uh, and um, look, the, neither of them signed him, so I don't know. You read what you want into that, but he's he's a gun for hire now, old Philly Rip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it, that's for sure. Um, One other guy I am excited to see get a DC role is Sean Desai. Mm. I know, Andy, you've spoken about him before. He's a a mates with Brandon Staley. They were together in Chicago and via Seattle for a year. He's now the new defensive coordinator in Philadelphia, which is a fast track now for head coaching roles. So expect to see a lot from him next year. And it's also good to see Jim Schwartz back in the league mm. um, as a defensive coordinator. I always uh, think back to the glory days when he was a Lions coach on the sideline going boom and punching the ground <laughs> whenever his defense would get a sack. And now he's uh, the de- defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Those are a couple that jumped out to me. Hmm. Yeah. Jack, any from you? 
Um, yeah, a couple. I mean, I think uh, Frank Reich will bring stability to the Carolina Panthers. They've been an unstable franchise ever since the departure of Cam, Cam Newton and their Super Bowl appearance. I think mm. I, I think he's got a, he's got a bit of time there. He's probably got three to four years. Um, they do have a bevy of uh, of draft picks, but I think that's what they need. It's good to see Josh Ross. If you're listening to this, um, I think you've got a good hire there. And the other one um, that I hope works out because D'Amico Ryan's has signed a seven year deal. Is that right? I believe it's a very very long contract. After the way the Texans have treated both their last their last two minority coaches, mm-hmm. I hope D'Amico Ryan's can sort out what's going on down there um, and bring some stability there. He's got a big job ahead of him, but it's good to see that um, that that he does have that job and he's got some he's got some stability, which is fantastic for the league um, in terms of yep. diversity, which is good. Yeah, interesting will be what happens, obviously, with the quarterback situation in Baltimore. But Todd Monken, the former Georgia offensive coordinator, now replaces Greg Raymond. So they get that sorted, and who knows what could happen there. Um, and Eric Bieniemy finally leaving the AFC West, the new offensive coordinator for the Commanders. Washington. Yeah, interesting. Do we, How do we think that one's going to work? Uh, will it, I mean, fast-track his opportunity to... Uh, get a head coaching job. I guess it depends how aggressive they are in the draft and free agency and yeah. trying to find a replacement for releasing Carson. They're saying Sam Howell's their guy because he played well in week 18. I don't... Yeah, interesting. Well, so the Chiefs have promoted Matt Nagy uh, to offensive coordinator now. So It just doesn't bode well if you've just, as an offensive coordinator, you've just won a Super Bowl and you can't get a head coach job. So, listen. And, it, I mean, there are lots of people that, that come out in defense of the enemy. And, of course, I... Mm. I, I I'm not saying that he's not an amazing uh, coach and person, and uh, he's, but maybe he saw it in his career path that maybe I need to go somewhere else, prove myself without the shadow of Andy yep. Reid. As much as Andy Reid has helped him, time to to leave the nest a little bit, prove myself there, do some something, do something, and then go and get a head coach job. Yeah. So he, he needs to be more to than him. a side yeah, of fries to, to Andy Reid's double whopper. <laughs> <laughs> be more than the side of fries. Very Eric. good. Very good. Uh, what does that make Spagnuolo then? The fucking shake? I don't know. <laughs> He's the bolognese. He's the bolognese. Bolognese. Yeah, very good. Uh, right, before we wrap up, Al, I'm going to throw to you. You've got some fun in store for us. Yes. Uh, of course, our famous intro song when, when Kyle joins the show is all about reading tickets and having tickets read back to people when they get things right or wrong and before the season last year we couldn't just sit there and make a whole bunch of predictions and leave them out into the ether we need to go back and revisit how our season predictions went now you might think i'm only bringing this up because i might have done very well um you would be right no 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 you're not it's it's pretty even but let's go let's go back over a few of them so way back then before the 2022 season we predicted the nfc playoff teams uh, Jack predicted five out of seven correct teams, uh, and Andy and I both c- correctly guessed four. So Jack won that. Uh, however, we all only got three out of seven correct if it was about who won the division versus wild cards, etc. Okay. No, the one that really, uh, there were a couple that kind of got us, but Jack, you did well by guessing that the Vikings would made, make the playoffs. Neither Andy nor I guessed the Vikings. We were both in the corner of the Saints. So well done to you in the NFC. For the AFC, Jack, you got five out of the seven teams correct, uh, whereas Andy and I both got six of the seven Mm, teams correct. Uh, 
where we got over you is we both had the Dolphins sneaking into the playoffs, whereas you didn't have the Dolphins. You had the Matt Ryan-led Colts. Uh, didn't go oh. so well. None of us got none. None of us got the Jaguar. None of none of us got the Jags. Andy and I both thought the Titans. Um, all three of us only got two out of seven exactly correct in terms of the ordering because all of us said the Chargers would win the AFC West. Of course, mm. of course. The NFC title game was Eagles versus the Niners. Uh, Jack, you thought it would be a Packers versus Bucks affair. I also thought Packers versus Bucks, and Andy, you thought. Bucks versus Rams. So we were all way off on that one. Uh, In terms of the AFC championship, of course, it was the Chiefs and the Bengals. Mm. Jack, you thought it would be the Bills and the Chargers. Mm. I thought it would be the Bills and the Ravens. Uh, Andy, you thought it would be the Bills and the Chargers. For Super Bowl predictions, Jack said the Chargers would beat the Bucks with a very (laughs) firm tongue in his cheek. Uh, Andy, you had the Bills beating the Bucks, and I had the Packers beating the Bills. I also said the Packers' defense could be number one in the NFL this year. So how, how, how wrong we were. Uh, moving on to some individual awards to finish things off. The NFL MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Jack and Andy, you both guessed Justin Hoybert. I uh, guessed Josh Allen, who finished third. Uh, for the offensive player of the year, who was Justin Jefferson. Jack guessed it would be Christian McCaffrey. Mm. He said, Baker has something to prove and the two of them will be an absolute force. <laughs> Still, you were right that Christian McCaffrey had a very good year. Close. I guess Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor saying he'd get close to hitting 2,000 yards. Injury cursed him. And Andy, you had Justin Herbert winning the offensive. For the defensive, this is where finally I got one right. I said Nick Bosa, and I'm going to predict 17 or 18 sacks. He had 18 and a half and won the award. Jack, you predicted TJ Watt and Prof predicted Micah Parsons, who finished second in the award. So well done. He had a good year. Last last, uh, three quick ones. Comeback player of the year. The only one who had a dip of that was Jack, who guessed Baker Mayfield, but that was Geno Smith. For the offensive rookie of the year, Jack, we all picked good players here, but none of them won it. Jack, you predicted Damien Pierce, who did well. I predicted Chris Olave, who did well. Andy, you predicted Brees Hall, who had he stayed healthy, who would have yeah. known? Mm-hmm. But the order was Garrett, Garrett Wilson won that award. Kenneth Walker came second and Brock Purdy came third. And then the final one, the defensive rookie of the year, uh, I predicted Source Gardner. I said, I think he's the exception to break the rule that corners struggle to acclimate. Source Gardner did win the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Jack and Andy, you both guessed Aiden Hutchinson, and he finished second. And Andy, you also said Source a close second. So we basically all were close to the mark on that one. So listeners, don't think we don't uh, point out when we get things right or wrong. We do. And as you saw, we we got We actually enjoy being wrong more than we enjoy being right, I think. At least a month. Right. Oh, that feels like that feels like yesterday we did that. Oh. That feels that doesn't feel like that long ago at all. I still remember going through the process. Of that wow. Anyway, good shit. <sighs> well, I think that'll do us for the first show back for the year. Thanks for sticking with us as we dust off the cobwebs. Um, next episode we'll be aiming for will be in about a fortnight's time, around the twenty third of March, after the first wave of free agency. Until then, guys, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at tdu underscore charges. Um, give the video a like, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We'll see you next time on Thunder Down Under Chargers Podcast. Catch ya. Ta-ta. Later. Bye.
Backpedals looking, firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it! Six and ten, five, high step, touchdown, San Diego! Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Good night! Good night to all!